Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. This week, all eyes are on a photograph, which was taken by a finely gifted photographer who started her career late in life, as I found out from curator Michael Waldron when I visited the Crawford Art Gallery this week. I just showed this week's work of the week <laughs> to Elmarie and told her, when do you think this was done? And the first thing she said was, is it a photograph? It, is. it looks like a work of art, if you know what I mean. <laughs> it's one of those photographs that helped photography become art. So the next question I had for her was, okay, if it was a photograph, when do you think it was taken? So she went, oh, 1906? And I kind of went, lower. <laughs> just, well, I was going to say the 1890s. I was really surprised when I looked at the date. That's why I asked her. Will we give Ooh. the game away? Yeah, yeah. So this photograph is from 1866. <laughs> it seems almost impossible to think photography goes back that far, and of course it goes back further. Yeah. But 1866, this photograph, it's the earliest photograph in our collection. So you have the original here? Yeah. Yeah. There would have been a number of prints made of it. Oh, of course. But yeah. this is an original photograph from 1866, printed at quite large scale. Yeah. It's by a remarkable artist. Yes. Julia Margaret, Margaret Cameron. Cameron. Remember that name, okay? Because her story in itself, there was a biography of her life done by one of her nieces, wasn't that right? By one of her nieces, and yeah. we might get to the family tree we in will. a little while. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, she was kind of one of the pioneering women of photography yeah. in the middle to late 19th century. But she started quite late in her life. That's the amazing part. It was a present given to her by her daughter. Yeah, so she was given a camera. Now, when we think giving a gift of a camera, back in 1865 when this happened, yeah. it would have been one of those big old box cameras with the black curtain on the back of it. And the big flash. And the... Absolutely, yeah. and everyone had to stay still for about three minutes. minutes. <laughs> Inside the camera would have been a, a large glass slide, so yeah. 15 by 12 inches. The photograph is it's, almost it's, exactly it's the same, same size. As the negative, I yeah. suppose, yeah. Exactly. It's a very different kind of idea of giving a gift of a camera. Mm. And so, yeah, Julia Margaret Cameron's daughter gave it to her and when she was 48. And for the next nine years, mm. she produced some 900 
photographs in this very labour-intensive, time-consuming process. Okay. So a hundred photographs a year. Remarkable. And she, was, she wasn't accepted by her peers, or let's say the, the male members of the photographic world, looked down upon her. Well, if you think, you know, this was Victorian England, yeah. and you can imagine all of the bearded men who <laughs> you had been pioneering mm, photography yes. and had an idea of what photography ought to be. But she, she was experimental in everything. She yeah. was experimental. And they saw her process yeah. as being maybe sloppy or out of focus. They even ridiculed her for the naming of her photographs because sometimes she would name the photograph after a character rather than after someone who's actually in the photograph. Well, that's where we're heading now because yeah. when Emery said, was that a photograph? It looked more like something that was artistic or a painting, like you know, very realistic, mm-hmm. but... It does look very artistic. And she's using techniques that maybe romantic filmographers a <laughs> hundred years later would be using to create that kind of mistiness, you know. Well, that sort of soft focus as soft well, focus, you know. Yeah. If you think of the MGM movies yeah. in the 1930s with Greta Garbo, yeah, you know, yeah. that was absolutely it. So this was a bit of ahead of its time and maybe well, yeah, yeah. too ahead of the men of yeah. her time. But it begs the question... Who are they now? Well, I'm sure some of their names are known, but we're not going to talk about them today. (laughs) But she's here. And the study... Yeah, so she calls it Beatrice, study of Beatrice Sensi. The person we're looking at is not named Beatrice. It's just a character she's playing. So Beatrice Sensi herself was a 16th century noblewoman who, having been abused by her father, murdered him and she was herself executed in 1599. So that, that's a story coming from Rome. So that's, that's yeah. Rome in the 16th century. Yeah. And so it was popularised in poetry of the 19th century. Yeah. And this is where Julia catches the idea of the character. Yes. And so then she had a model pose for this character like any painter might do but in this case through photography and what you have is a 19th century woman playing a 16th century woman and thinking well what what is that look what is that feeling of an abused woman who has also committed murder (laughs) it's brilliant (laughs) all in the day's work yes but her Model, as such. She was an interesting person as well, wasn't she? She was. So May Princep, she had a notable life herself, but she visited Julia Margaret Cameron at her home on the Isle of Wight Mm. when she was, you know, in her late teens, early 20s, and modelled for several different photographs in different characters. Obviously a a favoured model of, of the artist. It's amazing, though, because photography was relatively new. I mean, it only would have become popular in the 1840s, 50s, as such. Yeah, so, like, I suppose the earliest photographs are in, like, the 1820s. That's as far back as the kind of light creating an image goes. But really, it's the late 1830s. There is one photograph in the National Gallery of Ireland's collection of Daniel O'Connell in the 1840s. Okay. But when you think around the same time, like, the Singer sewing machine was going to be invented... Um, the Yale Lock. Uh, I must thank Henry for the research for this week's programme. <laughs> <laughs> Alexander Bell would be making his first call over the phone in about 10 or 15 years from now. Like, so you get to see that it was a great age. Oh, and now we're taking photographs with our phones. <laughs> with our phones, yeah. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> if only they'd spoken to each other sooner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I love this photograph because it is that sort of sepia tone. There's a tilt of the head as May performing Beatrice looks out at us. Yeah. There's sort of a longing or a wistfulness. It's really, really rather beautiful. And um, I think it, it's a testament also for, to a woman looking at a woman. Yeah. And Julia Margaret Cameron's family itself was filled with remarkable women. Her niece was Julia Princip Stephen, so Princip is the name there coming through. Yeah, that's the um, name of the... Of the model, model yeah. but it's Julia Margaret Cameron's niece. Yes. Julia Princip Stephen wrote her biography. Yeah. And then her Hard great to... nieces yeah. were the painter Vanessa Bell right. and the writer Virginia Woolf. <laughs> and Virginia Woolf paid tribute to her in one of her plays. She did. So she had a play called Freshwater, a comedy, from 1935, and her great-aunt, Julia Margaret Cameron, is one of the characters, and it looks at that world of the Isle of Wight, that artistic world of a photographer, generations before. There is a little bit of an addendum to this story as well. Her career as a photographer was short-lived because she moved away. She did, so she had lived quite a long part of her life in India. The family returned there in 1874, so she practised as a photographer for about nine years. And then returning to India seems to have ceased. A remarkable short career that began late in life. At the age of 48. Yeah. There you are. There's hope for all of us yet. You too can be a genius with your camera, your phone even, whatever it is. But here we celebrate the work of Julia Margaret Cameron and the study of Beatrice. And she's just one pair of eyes looking at us where all the eyes are on us, upstairs in the Crawford with all eyes on us. And she keeps good company because right next to her is Terence McSweeney. <laughs> I mean, why not? <laughs> 